Okay, so hi, Amina. I hope you're well. Thanks a lot for joining us on the African Dialogue podcast. Yeah, actually, thank you very our, much for having me. Thanks a lot. So yeah, actually, our first guest. So I'm really excited um, to be in conversation with you. So just to start out, maybe we can begin with who's Amina, um, and what do you do, and just a little bit about yourself. All right, great. So my name is Amina Kaunda. I am a TV presenter, a news anchor, a radio uh, host. So basically, I am most things that you would expect of a media personality and growing in all of them. Um, This is something that I don't think that I really anticipated as a career for my life, but I am genuinely enjoying it and genuinely enjoying the journey. So This is something that I'm learning, but also uh, becoming more proficient in, if I do say so myself. That's really good. Yeah, I also considered you to be a media personality because I wasn't really sure what to categorize you as, especially since you're doing so much, but all related to media. But you've mentioned how this is something that you didn't anticipate for your career. So how did you actually get into the space of media? So how I got into it, I did study media, but it was, you know, the the, the traditional textbook idea that because you've studied uh, media or journalism, that that's what you have to do. You have to now go and be a journalist. I didn't realize that there was a whole other side to um, media industry jobs, pretty much. So how I got into this was because I had walked into an office. I was uh, meant to go in as the social media manager for a radio station. And the owner heard me speak and he says, are you sure that that's all you want to do? And I was like, what do you mean? So he says, no, I'd like to try you out on air because you've got a very unique sound to your voice. Yeah. And from there, I went into the booth. He gave me a script and he was like, no, 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 we're going to give you a show for Sunday. And it was one of these things where I was like, okay, it doesn't hurt to try. If it doesn't yeah. work out, I can always backtrack. And on Sunday, who really listens to radio? Yeah, the yeah. ones that I know. <laughs> so I was put on radio uh, for every Sunday. And then from the Sunday show, I was bumped up to the midday show. And from the midday show, I was put on to the breakfast show, which is primetime. Yeah. And from there, it was the person that I started working with on the breakfast show who was like, you know, there's other things that you can do other than just speaking on radio that can yeah. make you money. And we started having conversations at length and he was like, no, you can do this and you can do that. You can make money from doing voiceovers. You can make money from going into producing TV. There's a whole world out there that is not, it's, it's at your fingertips basically, but it's if yeah. you want it. And that was when I started exploring, you know, I always used to fantasize about like TV shows, especially when I got into the media space in Zambia, I used to think, my goodness, there's a lot of room for growth. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of room for children in the diaspora who have lived outside and come back home and thought, this is not what I'm used to. This is not what I want to engage with. Yeah. Where is the content that is applicable to me? Yeah. You know, so that was what I started thinking about. And then also getting onto the news desk was something new and interesting and fresh. I had to get to know the Zambian media landscape, especially when it comes to news, because our news content is very politically driven. I had to find myself getting interested in something that I wasn't really interested in. So it's been a learning curve, but 
it has opened my mind so much to my own country. Um, I lived outside for so long. So coming back to home was bizarre and refreshing, <laughs> if I can put it that way. That's really good to hear. And also talking about the Zambian media landscape, um, especially you having lived outside and then coming back and engaging in this space, what's one thing you wish you had known that um, which you possibly know now and maybe that you could have done differently? Hmm, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. <laughs> one thing I wish I had known. Um... Yeah, Honestly, most times mm -hmm. I, I sometimes struggle sometimes with um it's like sometimes the way people in they might encourage people to like there's a lot of times people would say things like oh you should come back home and yes it's important to ask people to come back home and to um contribute to towards their country's development or things like that but then there's I think sometimes a lot of times there's a lot of intricacies that people always miss to actually be honest and tell people about that people need to consider before they move back home oh yes no Zambia is a culture shock um it doesn't matter if you have been here on holidays every so often moving to Zambia is a complete culture shock mm -hmm. um especially when it comes to the media landscape so the argument that I have which is what I touched on yeah. Um, is that is content because whenever I find myself trying to pitch an idea, especially in the newsroom, yeah, they will say, okay, but that's relevant to you. It's relevant to a very small demographic of society. 60% of society lives either on or below the poverty line. Yeah. That story is not relevant. And my argument came from the idea that there's a whole section of society, which is the middle class society that has been left out that we we don't have a voice, you know, I mm -hmm. and I get I get not crucified, but talked down to a lot of the times because they say it's almost like complaining about first world problems. And I said, OK, but decisions of the government directly impact us. We're not millionaires, we're not people who are rolling in money. Yeah. So whatever decisions or moves that the government makes will directly impact us. We might not be destitute but it does affect us. We are also the people that make the decisions and we also know, we, we are conscious of the decisions that the government is making. Yeah. So we're the ones who will read the cybersecurity bill. We're the ones who will read the Bill 10 bill and we will actually understand what's going on. Your 60% of the population doesn't necessarily go and read that. They don't understand what's going on. Uh, at Spring TV, we have a show called Facts According to You. This is a young guy who goes out into... Um, you know, into the CBD and asks your average Joe, what do you know about coronavirus? He tells you coronavirus is a soap. Hmm. So there's this whole argument that I have where I said, okay, granted, the content that I am bringing might not be relevant to the average person, but we need to make it relevant. Yeah, We need to help them understand what I'm talking about. Because if I go in there speaking one, two, three versions of English, very simple versions of English, and they don't get it, how else are they going to get it if we don't start to teach them? Granted, English is not everybody's first language, but it's the national language. We kind of have to get over that. <laughs> we, we, we have to get used to it, unless it changes at some point. So yeah, my argument stands on content and helping people 
learn different ways of understanding what's going on in society. We can't keep pandering to the simple versions of how things work or thinking that this is the content they want. So this is the content we're going to give them. Let's give them something different and then let them argue and say, we don't want to watch that. We don't want to pay attention to that. Let's tune into this, you know? I feel like options is something that's very limited. I, I, I wish I'd known that that was going to be a, a fight when I got mm. to Zambia. I wish I'd known that that was going to be an argument because I didn't yeah. think it would be. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important how you touched on the aspect that options are really important, especially in Zambia, because I think most of the time people just assume that if something's done the way that it's always been done, then people wouldn't be interested in some other form of content. Exactly. But you exactly. actually find that people are actually interested to engage in new content, try different things. It's just most of the times there's very few platforms or opportunities to provide these kind of like a new way of looking at things, which I think yeah. is, is really, it's really sad, but it's something that most people I think need to push for. Exactly. Um, they kind of just sit on what they've been fed and yeah. when something new steps in, they get shocked. But then why has it taken us this long to kind of start to realize, hey, we need to give the public something different? Yeah, that's true. So you mentioned how you had lived away for quite some time and then now you've moved back home. What really uh, prompted you to move back home? I also know that um, you're the granddaughter of someone who's very prominent in this country, not only in this country, but then also on the continent and globally. How has that also affected your career and also maybe your personal life as well? Uh, okay, so I'll start with that question um, before I talk about what prompted me to move home. So that one, it's, it's, it's affected my personal life more than it has my career. Um, my last name is also somewhat very common. So it's not a question that I get asked often yeah. until maybe they're looking at uh, a birth certificate or I'm at a public office and I'm standing in the queue and they ask me, why are you standing in the queue? And I'm like, because <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to wait. I, I don't like skipping queues because I've, I've had people skip queues on me before and I got yeah. very upset. And, so and I know that's how that actually is. something that happens quite often in Zambia and people just feel like they can just go through the queue I know just when I was at the airport a few weeks ago and someone just passed through and it was like oh this is an important person I was like no exactly. but we're all standing in the queue I don't think this is fair and I'm the only one who spoke up and then everyone yeah. was like yeah that's not fair and it's like but we were all looking before exactly. any of us said anything so I really hate that but I I do realize and even yesterday I was telling someone how Zambia has um nice car privileges like I notice it a lot at the mall how the guards will always make space in a parking lot for like nice cars and this also stems into a lot of things like with prominent people and all that and maybe for the listeners who don't know so Amina's grandfather is actually the first president of Zambia and also one of um the continent's liberation fighters yeah yeah yeah, so I, because the funny thing is, it was more, I think I, I, I don't tell people because it was also the way I was raised. Yeah. Um, my dad always made it very clear. He says, that's his name and that's his fame. Nobody mm. knows you. Yes. <laughs> Nobody cares about you. Yeah. You know, so I, I grew up with that. And my mother also reinforced it, you know, in school and stuff like that. She was just like, it's nobody's business. Yeah. Um, 
because the kids wouldn't really know. The kids didn't understand until we yeah. were getting into his class and maybe his name came up. But the teachers would always ask me because a lot of them were much older. They lived in what was then Northern Rhodesia. Yeah. Um, so for them, it was like, a, ooh, we have, you know, Kenneth Kaunda's granddaughter in our classroom. But mm -hmm. for me, I, I coasted along more quietly. I didn't like to highlight it. And even now, it still makes me uncomfortable when people ask me. I give like a little shy smirk and I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah, because <laughs> it's it gives people this idea of who I am before they actually get to know me. Yeah. So a lot of people will think that I'm rich, that I got my job because of my last name. They mm. it, it erases all of the hard work that I've put into it. Yeah. Every single position that I have had on my CV from something as simple as selling jeans, you know, in yeah. a retail store, right up to where I am right now. I'm a news anchor on a television station. I have gotten that all by myself. There has never been a moment where my dad has actually pulled strings or called someone or even my grandfather. And that's why I don't tell people because the second that they find out, that's immediately the assumption. Mm. And it makes me sad. That's why I said it's affected my personal life more because even like meeting people, they'll assume that I'm a brat, that I perhaps maybe am a little bit snobby or that I think I'm better than them. And a lot of these times when I'm even in, in interacting with like friends of parents, like new friends, when I had to make new friends here yeah, and they find out who I am, their parents are like, oh, you know, such people. And I'm like, you know, it, <laughs> I, it, 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 it's, it's uncomfortable a lot of the yeah. time. So I don't, um, yeah. And then when I moved home, why I moved home, I followed a boy. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I followed a boy, which was a very stupid move, but. It, it worked out well. Um, so it was one of those things where I, I fell in love in my head. This was it. This was, and sadly, this was not reciprocated. I just built this up in my head. <laughs> oh, okay. And I created this whole life um, about the two of us. And I was like, no, he likes me now because I'd had a crush on him since I was 16. So he yeah. likes me now. If I move back to Zambia, we'll fall in love. Everything will be great. And we'll just live happily ever after. I'll find a job and it's just going to end there. Yeah. I got here. And of course, things as they don't, don't didn't work out. <laughs> and um, then I kind of sat back and I was like, okay, well, I've moved home. I didn't tell my parents why I moved home. Yeah. So I need to sort myself out. And that's when I started searching within myself. Zambia made me grow up. Um I have to admit that in South Africa, I was quite cushioned. Everything yeah. was very much done for me. And because the economy there is very different, you can have your job and that job will pay you enough to be able to pay off your car, to be able to pay off your cell phone monthly, to be able to pay off rent. Mm -hmm. And you can still buy food and afford small entertainments yeah. depending on what kind of job you have. Over here, literally everybody has a side hustle. Yes. Your main income from your main job and then you've got like maybe three other streams of income coming in mm -hmm. and that's just to afford life you know so I I grew up a lot I crashed my first car <laughs> when oh, I got here and I remember crying not because I was scared for my life but because I suddenly realized I didn't have a car anymore and this was yeah. handed to me on a silver platter you know my father was like here's a car go do what you need to do and I crashed it mm -hmm. and I was left with no car for about a year and a half because he was like, nope, you have screwed up your chances. You're going to have to yeah. learn now. Yeah. And it was in that. And then after a year and a half, he gave me, uh, and I still remember this car. 
it was awful. It was this massive Noah, <laughs> big, bright red, and it was ugly. And I hated people seeing me in this car. And he says, if you can go six months and there is not a dent on this thing, I will get you a new car. I looked after that thing like it was a baby. I, yeah. <laughs> every corner I turned, I was at maybe 20 and then maybe parking. I was making sure that there was no, I would park like 60 steps away from the mall because I was oh, like, wow. nope, if I, if I scratch this car, it's over. Yeah. And after that, and then also like getting jobs and stuff like that, it was because Zambia is such a culture shock. That's also in part why it made me grow up so much. And I yeah. had such a newfound respect for people um because in Zambia I got to know people from different walks of life yeah in this office where I am currently I have two parents at home I have a little sister and a little brother I have the best support system ever Mm -hmm. so if I decided to leave this job tomorrow I still have people who can help me out not just financially but emotionally as well yeah there are people in here that don't have that luxury yeah there are people in here that are the breadwinners in their family and they're like 23 22 and that for me was almost heartbreaking but also eye-opening to think that I am that privileged just by having two parents in my house you know Mm. so Zambia really woke me up to a lot of that I didn't experience a lot of that in South Africa because I grew up in the suburbs I didn't know that there were people out there who had completely different lives to what I had yeah so it was I, I, I am happy that I moved back home, to be honest, despite the reasons why I moved back. I'm happy that I moved back. Yeah. It's, and it's really nice to hear that um, in hindsight now, everything has worked out, even if yeah. your reason was different initially. But now it's like all the dots have come together and look exactly. at you now. Yeah. So um, what's the biggest failure? Like, what would you consider as your biggest failure? and how have you learned from it? And this could be from your journey um, as a media personality. It could be um, moving back home. Just, yeah, generally, what would you say has been your mm-hmm. biggest failure? My biggest failure would be... Hmm. I think it would have been that. Um, you know, just forgetting that I am privileged mm. um I I as I said I feel like especially like the person that I'm seeing now he yeah. lost his parents at 16 um he raised himself and it's like I said my biggest failure would have been and exposing that 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 ignorance as well yeah. um when I worked in radio um it was something that I spoke very widely about. I remember saying, and this because I was schooled on air about my stance. Uh, I said that black people can, uh, I think, oh, I said that white people cannot be racist because they're just ignorant. And I remember a lot of people coming at me and saying, you have a very, very, very narrow-minded mindset. Maybe Mm. you haven't had enough experiences in life but you can't stand by that stance and think that that's just wholly and completely true. These were people who have lived everywhere. They've experienced blatant racism. And I, you know, I was speaking from ignorance, to be honest. I had not done any research. I had not read anything. I was basically just speaking 
from without. I would say things like, I feel like, you know, people who live below the poverty line just need to work hard, not really understanding that there are roadblocks for these people. Yeah. There are things that they're not allowed to be able to achieve. There are problems within our society that they are not being able to solve or access. Yeah. You know, I, my biggest, yeah, my biggest failure would be forgetting my privilege and not holding my tongue when I should have. Because those 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 shows are still out there, and yeah. it's hard sometimes when I listen to it because I'm just like, that was me, you know. That was that was actually me. I used to believe these things, mm-hmm. not really understanding the full landscape of everything. So yeah, that would be my biggest failure. Mm. And maybe just piggybacking on that, um, what would your general thoughts be on situations where for example like now we've had this interview so because now I'm more um, cognizant to your growth if I heard those kinds of interviews I would quickly know that oh this was like a while back Amina Mm -hmm. has evolved now but what do you think of people who kind of um, hold like obviously accountability is a good thing but when people hold others accountable for statements that they had made a while back especially yeah. in, in this digital world that's also very evasive mm-hmm. how do you think people should approach that and what generally are your thoughts on that well I mean call me out I mm. <laughs> I am somebody who if I'm wrong uh, call me out but don't belittle me you know or don't belittle anyone let's look at correcting the problem So, because as I said, sometimes people are actually just ignorant to a lot of these things. They don't, accountability counts, but then sometimes when people are speaking from without, it's also because they are not cognizant enough in the conversation. So that on the part of the person who is arguing with them or calling them out, it's on their part to also teach, I think. Mm. So for people who would come and say, oh, you used to say this and you used to say that. Yes, I understand. But then it's also how you approach me. Do you feel like I've grown? Do you feel like there's still more that I need to learn? If so, how? Perhaps let's look at this moment to teach each other. This is why I say, I said what I said, but then this is where you come in and allow me to understand why it's not okay that I said what I said, or why it's not okay for me to believe what I believed at the time, Mm. you know? So I think it's very important that we be able to teach each other because I think that's where we lose ourselves sometimes because you know especially like you said in this digital age people will just come and start dragging you on social media and just say yeah she said this and yeah she is this person and then calling you all sorts of names with no basis yeah as to where this conversation even started Mm. in Zambia we are very free online and um I, I I do feel like sometimes that that goes too far especially yeah. with our with our online tabloids as well. Um, I'm not a fan of them. I don't follow them. I actually feel like they should be a little bit more controlled with what they post, yeah. especially because of what happens in the comment section. Sometimes it's not even the tabloid. It's just that the tabloid is open as a platform and the comment section can be ruthless. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, let's look at more teaching each other rather than dragging each other down. Mm, that's really good. I like the whole aspect of making these teachable moments yeah so what about in terms of achievements what would you consider your biggest achievement to date and I think when I talk about achievements I don't want it solely to be aligned to like career just generally because I think most of the times I've found 
a lot of times when people are asked about their achievements or what they could consider one of their successes, they're always quick to run to go for work, professional yeah. achievements. Yeah. Yes. But it could be just something like being alive or, you know, like yeah. being alive. In you know, I, mine is honestly, I don't know if this sounds cliche or like weird, but my current relationship would be my biggest achievement. Oh, wow. Right now, he is my business partner. Yeah, He is my mentor. He is my best friend. He is my partner in everything. You know, I have learned so much from this person and I have learned so much respect not just for him but for people for humans Mm -hmm. I (laughs) he he opens my mind so much and I forget sometimes that he he is a person you know I I'm so used to getting my own way and saying things and just going off the cuff and he has the most immense amount of patience that I have ever come across on another human being yeah and I would have to say, yeah, that would be my biggest achievement because I've learned what mature love is. It's not always sunshine and roses. It's not always we're going to be in love together forever. Butterflies in your stomach. You're going to have the most immense fights out of the pettiest things. Yeah. We argued about how to wash the dishes the other day. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, you know, um, appreciating another person for who they are and vice versa. I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced that. And I don't know if a lot of people understand that. And also finding a partnership, mm. not a relationship, but a partnership. This is somebody who will say, okay, your next move, how are we going to do this? And he will constantly remind me that it's not I, it's we. It's we. So when, even when I say something like I am doing this, he says, no, we are doing this. How are we going to execute this? Yeah. And it's moving together as a partnership. So together we've been, uh, we've been together about three years. It'll be four in May. Um, and yeah, that would be my biggest achievement because I've learned mature love. I've learned partnership. I've learned how to work with people all through this individual. And it's nice to say that there's a lot of women who had let him go, who are now upset and they're like, oh, hey, I miss you. And he's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so yeah, cause he shows me everything. Every message that comes through, he shows me and he's like, here, here's another one. I'm like, sorry, sis. He's yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh no, that's really nice to hear. And I'm glad that this love is, it's, it's made you a better person, but it's also allowed for both of you to outpour so much into each other, which I think yeah. is, is such a good basis for yeah. um, a good and mature kind of love. So maybe yeah, so that would be that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's cliche. I don't know. Yeah. But because I I'm also very cynical. I'm quite a, a cynic of a person. Yeah. So previously for me to just be able to say, oh, I'm in a relationship and uh, to not say that men are trash. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who knows me knows that I am. I, I, I'm not the best person to speak to when it comes to men. I'm that girl who says break up with him when my friends are going through problems I don't give solutions I give permanent endings so yeah it's been it's been good uh for me to be able to say that I know that has been some serious serious growth Mm -hmm. that's really good so maybe now um obviously I can tell that your partner has been one of the most influential people in your life in your life to date but what other two people would you say have been influential to you and why Mm, one I would have to say my dad 
Um, The reason being the way that I grew up. So my dad has never had a nine to five per se. Yeah. Um, So my dad is an entrepreneur and he's traveled all over the world. And when we've had money, we have had money. But when we've not had much, we have, you know, struggled along here and there. So influential because I have become incredibly money management minded. Mm. I hold on to pennies. I really have to evaluate where and why I'm spending my money before I spend it. I don't like spending money on clothes and shoes and makeup because I to actually me it seems... watched your um, interview with Jane on money mm-hmm. and me and I was like oh yeah I heard you speak about your relationship with money and how also that... yeah I yeah. I don't like spending money like even if it's on something essential mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom still shouts at me because I will go and use her body lotion from her bedroom <laughs> instead of buying my own and she's like dude go and buy toiletries. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm saving the money. (laughs) And yeah, so I, because now uh, with this new chapter in my life where I am now starting to push my own agenda and starting to look at different avenues of growing myself and my business. um, I, I, I really worry about where I put my money. And that was also because about how I grew up. I don't like inconsistent income. Mm -hmm. So I look more to creating consistent income. That's what I'm trying to create for myself is a way of being able to, even if I spend on a small luxury, still know that I have something in my bank account and that I can pay off my car, I can pay off my rent, I can pay off all sorts of things. Yeah. And not, you know, if I buy a chocolate today, I'm counting that money because I know it's not there anymore and I know I'm going to struggle at the end of the month. I don't like living like that. Yeah. So yeah, that, that would be where my dad was influential. Um, but he was also very present. You know, when he had money, it was, let's go on a trip, let's do this. So it's also understanding when to relax yeah. when to take a breather when to actually not feel guilty about treating yourself kind of thing yeah yeah so that would be that on my dad um the other person obviously it sounds so cliche again but my mother she has taught me humility and she has taught me that how you how you how you allow people to treat you yeah is how they will essentially treat you that comes from pretty much as basic as being in the home to yeah. professional life my mother always said, you have a mouth, you can speak. God yeah. did not make you deaf and blind. You know, God did not make you mute. If you have questions, go and ask. If you don't stand up for yourself, you'll always be trampled over. Yeah. I was, I wouldn't say I was bullied in school, but I was more malleable. I was very easily manipulated by friends or by peers because I didn't stand up for myself. Even if I felt that it was wrong, I wouldn't say anything because mm. I was, I felt I didn't like being the center of attention. I didn't like standing out. You know, the same thing you were saying about standing in the queue yeah. and watching all these people move. Everybody's looking and like, oh, that's not right. Yeah. But I'm not going to say I used to be that person for the longest time until I got to a point where I was like, actually, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to speak out and I'm going to say it and I'm going to say it with my chest kind of yeah. thing. My mom is that person innately. She's always been loud. She's always been authoritative. She's always stood up for herself. Yeah. And to learn that that's nice that's really good to hear um so maybe the last question now is what's next for Amina in the next five to ten years what can we look out for yeah that um I'm excited to be honest with you um 
So I don't like to speak on projects that I'm working on because yeah. I, I like to keep them under wraps until they come into fruition. But I have a lot of things bubbling under that have actually just, oh, God is so good. <laughs> I have to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's been wonderful to watch a lot of my dreams come into action. And that's just from me pursuing them. I never thought that I was somebody who could do a lot of what I'm doing right now. Um, but it's just been so reassuring and so heartwarming to think that there is room for creation in what I want to do. So it's, it's more expanding in the media space, yeah. um, but not so much in front of the camera, more behind the camera. Um, so I'm getting to know different areas of this industry. And um, yeah, I, I think just look out for, look out for Amina Kaunda. I'll say, remember the name. Yes. <laughs> We'll definitely be on the lookout. And I'm sure there's so much um, we can look forward to and really big and better things. So where can yeah. listeners connect with you online? So online, you can find me on Instagram. That is, I am Miss Kaunda. Um, and that's, that's where I spend most of my time. Facebook, I keep more for friends and family. Um, but I will be creating a page soon so that I can interact with everybody else as well um and twitter yo i've tried twitter i can't <laughs> it's a bit too much for me I, yeah. I have really tried i don't think it's my thing but maybe one day maybe one day but just not right now so instagram primarily for now okay that's good yeah. so we'll definitely be sure to link your handle when we post the, the podcast as well yeah yeah so thank you so much for your time and for this conversation. It was really candid. I think we've um, learned so much about you and just it's, it's nice to see how your life has evolved, but also how the different redirections of your life have all just come together. I was so happy to hear that you're in a relationship, no, a partnership, not a relationship, a partnership yeah. <laughs> that you're very um, comfortable to be yourself. I think that's something that is very admirable. And also you have someone who's supporting you. And also it just seems like aspects of your life, everything is flourishing. So I'm happy that all that. Yeah. I mean, it's not without its hardships. Let me not paint it like it's all sunshine and roses. I cry on occasion. But yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's been great. So yeah. I think it's also been helping being busy and uh, being preoccupied. I was diagnosed with depression in 2018. So this mm. has been, um, you know, it's been great. And I think it's also helping a lot with managing that. Cause it's like yeah. I said, it's not always sunshine and roses, but that's true. right now with the hard work and yeah. with the keeping busy, I think that's definitely that's been good. helping my mental health as well. That's really good. And I think part of, part of also this, concept of flourishing and you know things going well in life is also the acknowledgement of the other pits of life the other and, side of it yeah yes and if, I think if we're able to balance those two then we're doing well and we are flourishing rather than kind of like leaving all these other aspects on the side so thanks yeah. a lot this has been really good and I'm wishing you all the best and I know we'll definitely be following you on your journey as a media personality who's definitely changing the Zambian media landscape but then I know very soon you also go continental and globally 
thank you so much. Thank you very much for taking the time right. to Thanks. sit and have this conversation with me. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Thanks a lot, Amina. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye.